I hope that you will get your Bible out tonight and turn to the book of Proverbs. You may note, may have noticed tonight there is no handout, and I'll explain why in just a moment, but I hope you will have your Bible open to that Old Testament book of Proverbs. Likely, you've heard it said before that Jesus spoke more about money, finances, possessions, those sorts of things, than virtually about any other subject. In fact, he said more about those things than he said about heaven and hell combined. Jesus spoke more about money, finances, and possessions than he said about prayer. But Jesus was not the only person in Scripture to speak about God's view of money. From beginning to end, the Bible is filled with commands, yes, but also with very practical statements about how we are to handle our money, our possessions, to the glory of God and through godly wisdom. On Sunday nights this month, we're thinking about a subject, a series of lessons about God's view of money. And we're going to focus our thoughts tonight in just that one book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. And while you're turning there, let me set up the importance of tonight's lesson in this series. A lot of times when preachers are asked to preach on money, they, they we struggle because people expect, if we're going to talk about money, they're all they're going to talk about is giving. That's it. That's the only sermon we know. After all, that's, that's the tangible way to, to see if the sermon is effective. Did the giving go up or not? But if you notice... The title of this series of lessons is Beyond Giving. Because the Bible says far more about money and finances than just that we are to be giving. In reality, I believe a lot of Christians would like to give more, but there are reasons they don't, and some reasons are legitimate. If we're thinking, though, we know that God does not just give us a command. Oh, since he is God, he has the right to do that. He has the right to say exactly what he wants done. And that's all he ever has to say on the matter. But we've noticed many times we read through scripture that when God gives us a command, he is loving and gracious enough most of the time to tell us why. The, the reason behind the command or the motivation to follow that command. That's one reason we're told in the New Testament that God's commands are not grievous or burdensome. First John chapter five and verse three. And so God does not just command us to give without showing us the way to where when that is our heart, we are able to. He shows us through wisdom how to handle our money and our finances so we are able to give more and more. And I firmly believe that if more people, myself included, our family included, would simply follow the wisdom set out by God in his word over a long period of time in our lives, that our own giving would increase. It would not be just a one-time thing. It would not be just out of guilt or just a response to one sermon or one series of lessons. It would be out of a place of gratitude to God for showing the wisdom of how to handle this part of our lives. It takes time. It takes effort. And yes, it takes going against the, the normal ways of handling money in our society. But God has given us the wisdom if we are willing to put forth the effort. And amazingly, in just the book of Proverbs... There are over 100 verses that speak in one form or another to money and possessions. And you're going, we are going to be here forever. We are not going to look at all 100 plus verses. It's about 110, by the way. We're not going to look at all of them. Don't don't worry. Instead, what we're going to do is take the time to notice five categories. And the reason I did not do a handout tonight is this is what I like to call a Bible marker special. If you like to mark in your Bible, this lesson is for you. Because what I want you to do tonight is very simple. When we go into each one of these five categories, 
and we look at the different Proverbs, the different passages that fit under those categories, I want you in the margin of your Bible to draw a dollar sign and then the name of that category. And then when you come back to the book of, the book of Proverbs at some point in the future, you will see those things and be reminded, this is the path of godly wisdom in handling our money and our possessions. Category number one is the category of perspective. Perspective. One of the most important things we must get in our minds is that money is not the most important thing. We talked last week about the fact that it all belongs to the Lord anyway, and that we are to simply steward it to His glory. But Solomon laid down principles that teach us that perspective many times over. Notice 6 with me. The first is in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 verses 13 and 14. And you can draw a dollar sign and write the word perspective. Proverbs three thirteen and 14. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Solomon is not saying it's wrong to have gain from silver and gold, but it's better to find wisdom and understanding. That's the perspective. The second, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than, than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Again, that's Proverbs 8, verses 10 and 11. Again, it's not wrong to have silver, jewels, and those things, but the perspective is, take my instruction above or instead of those things. Proverbs 15, verse 16, is the next under perspective. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord, than great treasure and trouble with it. Solomon is not saying in Proverbs fifteen sixteen that it's wrong to have a lot or to have great treasure. But he's saying the perspective is, it is better to have little and respect God than to have a whole lot and find trouble with a great deal of wealth. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The perspective there is in the first part of the phrase, really, better is a little with righteousness. It would be better to have very, very little by way of the world's standards and be righteous than to have a great deal. Proverbs 22, verse 2. One of the more famous Proverbs along these lines. Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Sometimes we have the perspective of, this person has a great deal, this person is wealthy, so they're better. No, that's not what Scripture says. The Lord just makes people. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And the final proverb along these lines, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. The final perspective proverb that we're going to look at. Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Now, Lord willing, in two weeks, we'll look a little more closely at that particular proverb. But notice the perspective. The writer there, who, by the way, is uh, is, uh, Agur, says, I would rather just be in the middle. I don't want to be poor because I might be tempted to steal. But I also don't want to have great, great riches and think, I I did all of this. I'd rather just be in the middle. I'd rather just be somewhere in the middle. 
Now let those Proverbs digest just for a second. There are a lot more we could look at that deal with perspective, but these are enough to show that foundation. Wisdom and righteousness are more important and are more valuable than even great wealth. Think of some of the words we saw in there. Gold, silver, jewels, treasures, wealth. And where do they fit? Far below wisdom, instruction, understanding, and righteousness. And if I may paraphrase the last one we read, a peaceful spirit. That just doesn't go along with our modern world. The rich are no better than the poor. Because all people are made in the image of God. That just doesn't fit with what we hear so often in our world. I don't want too much or too little. So that I don't lose my perspective. Just give me what I need. But even under this first category, you see a substantial difference between the way the world looks at these things and the way followers of God are supposed to look at them. Without this perspective, nothing else we're going to talk about tonight really makes sense or really even works. That's the perspective, category number one. Category number two is just as I am. No, category number two is work or work ethic. Work or work ethic. God has always required his people to be workers. Even back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were given that task to to tend and to take care of the garden. And that shows us that even though there was a paradise there in the garden, that work is part of the good gift of God towards mankind. And laziness is so easy to slip into. The scriptures teach us that Christians, though, should never be known as lazy or slothful. We are to work. Maybe the most famous verse along these lines is found in a passage we studied a few Sunday nights ago, back near the end of last year, Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, If a man will not work, neither should he eat. Notice the passage does not say if a man cannot work, but if a man will not work. But money comes from work. So understanding this concept comes into view, and we see Solomon reminding of this over and over in Scripture to be diligent workers. Notice seven Proverbs along these lines. The first, Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 6. And really the context goes through verse 11. The the category of work, Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And the context really goes through verse 11, but that's enough. Here's, here's the ant. You, you look at that. You look at that animal and you're going to see what it means to really work. The second, Proverbs 10, verse 4. Proverbs 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. The word slack there can also be translated or or defined as lazy. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12 and verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. I love that proverb. He who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Think about the world in which we live. How much of what we follow just constantly are worthless pursuits in the long run? And Solomon says, you lack sense if that's where your mind always is going. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. That's a powerful proverb. Notice that Solomon says there in Proverbs 13, 4, it is the soul of the diligent that is richly supplied. We often think of it as a financial or a uh, possession outcome. But the soul of the diligent, there's a peace 
that comes over the one who has fulfillment through work. Through work. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. You ever noticed how often people strike it rich through the lottery, through gambling, and you read stories just months or years later and they're bankrupt? It's almost as if they've forgotten to read this verse from Proverbs. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. The little man can't get ahead. Mere talk ends only in poverty, Solomon says. And the final proverb along these lines, Proverbs 21, verse 5. 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. There are so many more we can mention. If you've read Proverbs, you know there are dozens of passages in this book that deal with diligent or hard work. But these are enough to show that basic level. Did, did you notice the emphasis on hard work, diligent work? Did you notice the emphasis on avoiding hasty decisions? We might call them get-rich-quick schemes. Solomon helps us to see that money comes from diligent labor. But it might take a while. He who gathers little by little, one of the passages we said, increases it. That goes against the way our world would like to do things. Just work for a few moments and get millions and millions of dollars. Hit it, hit it big and you'll get millions, even billions of dollars. But the Bible says that real wealth comes through diligent labor over time. Followers of God should never be known as lazy or hasty. We should be working diligently. Category two is work or work, work ethic. Category three is avoiding greed. As we do work and as we do gain some money, there's a tendency, even a temptation, to be greedy. Because we have a little, we want more. And because we see what our money can do for us, it can become an idol. And certainly Solomon understood that temptation. And so it's no surprise that he wrote proverb after proverb to talk about fighting greed and that temptation. And in our society, which is the most marketed to society in the history of mankind, we need these reminders. What we have often is not good enough, shiny enough, fast enough, updated enough, cool enough, or whatever, and we get greedy. And here's some Proverbs to help fight that. Proverbs 1, verse 19. Avoiding greed. Proverbs 1, 19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. If you've ever known someone who truly was greedy, you have known it really takes away their life. There's no real spirit to that person. They might have a lot of stuff, but there's no real spirit, there's no real life to that person. Proverbs 15, verse 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. If I am greedy, it doesn't just hurt me. It hurts my family, my wife, my husband, my children. It hurts my parents. It hurts extended relationships. It hurts my household. Solomon said, Proverbs fifteen twenty seven, Proverbs 23 and verse 4. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. We look at that. Wait a minute. Is Solomon saying it's wrong to get rich? No, but he's saying if all you're doing is working to get richer and richer and richer, you've missed the point. It's not about just building up piles of wealth anymore. Have enough wisdom. Be discerning enough to, de- to desist. Proverbs 28 contains the last three in this category. Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. 
Proverbs 28, verse 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. And Proverbs 28, verse 25. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. We need this category of avoiding greed. It is not wrong to have things. It is not wrong to have money. It is not wrong to have possessions. But it is such a trap to fall into where the first thing we think of is, how can I just get more? And greed begins to take over. It is a true monster. It will not only cost us our soul eternally, and that's the most important thing, but it will rob us in this life. But it's hard to see it in ourselves. And Solomon reminds us over and over to avoid greed. Category three, avoiding greed. Category four is debt. Maybe the most common reason, practically speaking, that Christians do not give is because they are strapped in debt. Having debt is not a sin. But the Bible makes it clear that carrying, especially an an unhealthy level of debt, is unwise. And in our society, debt is looked upon as a a shrug of the shoulders. The bills keep coming in and we realize just how much we've got going out in payments, debt payments. But consider for a moment what you could do, how much you and your family could give and do, if you didn't have a single debt payment in the world. And so Proverbs presents debt as not a sin, but as unwise if excessively used. If you're in debt, it may take a long time, even years, but work to get out. It will free you to do more with your family and more for the Lord than you ever thought possible. Here are three Proverbs that talk about debt. Proverbs 11, verse 15. Whoever puts up security, we might say cosigns, for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands in pledge is secure. Don't co-sign for a stranger. The most famous is Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich rules over to the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. You've heard the joke many times before that that proverb reminds us that I wonder why they call it master card. The borrower is the slave of the lender. Proverbs 22 verses 26 and 27. Be not one of those who gives pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed not be taken from under you? If you can't co-sign for the loan, don't co-sign for the loan because you're going to you're going to paying for it. That's a problem. Solomon writes about the foolishness of being in debt, especially excessive debt, but also signing for other people's debt. There's a reason they need a pledge or a security or a co-signer. But overall, Solomon is simply saying that being in debt is overall unwise. Is it a sin? No, the Bible never presents it that way. But God is telling us how to live the best life possible. And the best life possible is to avoid it as much as possible, especially in excessive measure. And in our society, that message is about as countercultural as can be. I mean, you think about it. The culture in which we live, and by the way, if, if what I'm saying you've done before, trust me, I'm right with you, okay? But we're a society that you get a $300 a month raise at work and you reward yourself with a $400 a month car payment. makes a whole lot of sense if you stop and think about it. Did you know that in the broader religious world, the broader Christian world, the number one month of the year for giving financially to the church, to the churches, is the month of December? You know what's last? January. And the studies are very clear in showing why. People are paying off Christmas. That's the, that's the sole reason. December is number one. January is number 12. Because people are paying off Christmas. We couldn't stop ourselves from buying more and more. And we spend the first four or five weeks of the year trying to dig out of the hole. I'm not saying that to cast stones. Trust me. I'm not perfect either. 
But I'm saying that if we want to have the life of godly wisdom, God has laid out the plan in Proverbs to avoid it if at all possible and to break the cycle of borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. Category number five is the category of stewardship. Solomon speaks of how to handle money in the long term. There are verses about investing and stewardship. We do not handle money just to spend it all. We live in such a consumer society, that's all we seem to think about. We handle money to invest it, to give it, to save it, to enjoy it, to be a blessing to others, and even more. Here's some general Proverbs on stewardship. Number one, Proverbs 10, verse 16. The wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked leads to sin. The wage of the righteous leads to life. He's thinking more. He's thinking bigger than just using it all up. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. You think about the first part of that proverb. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's not saying if you you die and don't leave millions of dollars to your grandkids, that you're a terrible person. Remember, these are proverbs. They're sayings of general truth. But what Solomon is really trying to get us to see there is, think beyond yourself. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 20. Verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be a blessing or be blessed in the end. Listen to that one again. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. I think part of what Solomon is saying there is, parents, quit spending all your money on your kids all the time. Teach them some patience. They can't have all of it right now. After all, you didn't have all of it right now. It took a long time to get where you are. Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? Solomon is saying basically, think down the road. Think in stewardship levels. Don't just get through the day. Sometimes we must. But sometimes we need to think beyond today. If God allows the world to continue, even our finances can be a blessing to the world and to our families, but only if we've paid attention in that way, beyond ourselves, bigger than ourselves. Would I rather just have stuff? Or would I rather bless others even beyond me? It's a stewardship thing. And thinking beyond my life and outside of my life, even financially. As you read through Proverbs, you'll come across many, many more verses for sure. As I said, there are over a hundred, about 110 verses in Proverbs alone that speak to money, finances, possessions, and other similar matters. But I think these are enough to lay down the principles. These are enough to show us that God is not just saying give, but He's shown us the tools to free ourselves up to be givers like never before. But it takes breaking the cycle that our world wants us to be in of just consuming it all on stuff, thinking only of the day, thinking only of getting the latest and the greatest of everything, making sure I have the newest, the coolest, the most updated, the shiniest, the fastest, the biggest, sometimes the smallest, whatever it is. It takes patience and it takes prayer. It takes perseverance and it takes, yes, Proverbs. It takes a reminder that God has given us wisdom of how to handle these things. But it also takes one who is willing to look at everything, including not the bottom line, but the top line, and say, that's all God's. All of it belongs to Him. Not just the bottom line, the top line. Last week we mentioned 
The Lord owns it all. Psalm 15, verse 10, Every beast in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, verses one, beginning in verse 1. That carries over in the dis- this discussion as well. You see, it's not just, well, I see the verses, they're there, I, I, I get it. It's saying, God, I trust you enough that you've laid out principles, wise principles. And even if it takes decades of my life to conform my will to your wisdom, that's what I'm going to try to do. To follow your path, not just so I can be wealthy and have all kinds of fancy things, but because I want every decision I make to be made in the wisdom of God, following His best plan for every part of my life, including how I handle my money, my finances, literally His money and His finances. Do you look at your entire life through that lens, from that perspective? Do you look at everything and know it is His? If I may turn this into a way to extend the Lord's invitation, is your life His? Are you His? Have you turned your full will and full life over to Him and said, God, I am yours, and I'm going to follow you every day of my life? Tonight, if you need to become a Christian, by giving your life to Christ, by allowing His blood to wash away your sins in the waters of baptism, there's no better time to do that than now. Or tonight, if you're a Christian, but you haven't been living fully and faithfully as one of God's children, you can make that change tonight. You can ask for forgiveness or for encouragement, and we would love to pray with you to give that encouragement and to ask God's forgiveness if that's necessary. Whatever your need is tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and sing to encourage you.